Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, September 13th. How we pay for electricity could change in the near future. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The CDC is recommending those six months and older get at least one dose of the latest COVID vaccines. Scientific advisors to the CDC reviewed the data and voted on the recommendation yesterday. The new shots are intended to prevent another surge in respiratory infections this fall and winter. The FDA approved the new round of vaccines from Moderna, Pfizer and its partner BioNTech on Monday. The shots will be given as a single dose for most people, regardless of prior COVID-19 vaccination history. They will be free to most Americans until December of next year. Customs and Border Protection is again keeping hundreds of migrants in a makeshift outdoor camp. This after Border Patrol put around 400 migrants in a makeshift camp between the primary and secondary border walls back in April. The more than 300 migrants currently in the camp have no protection from the elements. The migrants are from all over the world and the group includes many small children. Customs and Border Protection did not respond to questions from KPBS. Another member of San Diego Wave FC is joining the U.S. women's national team. Jaden Shaw was selected yesterday to participate in a couple of exhibition games against South Africa. The first is scheduled for September 21st in Cincinnati. This will be Shaw's first time playing with the main national team after playing for some of Team USA's youth teams. Wave teammates Alex Morgan and Naomi Gurma will be joining her. Coming up, California regulators are mulling over big changes for electricity customers around the state. This is really about taking um, you know, our existing rates and really changing how uh, electricity is priced for customers. More on this story just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. How California residents pay for electricity could change in 2026 as regulators consider an income-based flat fee system that is essentially a minimum bill. Environment reporter Eric Anderson says an administrative law judge is deciding how the state-mandated system will work. The California legislature is responsible for an unprecedented change to electricity bills, but don't try to find the lawmaker responsible. The adjustments to the state's public utility code in Assembly Bill 205 were made during state budget talks. A stroke of a pen, a legislative vote, and the governor's signature created a move toward income-based utility fees. Ahmad Faruqi is an economist who works on rates. This was put in at the last minute. Nobody even knew it was happening. It was not debated on the floor of the assembly where it was supposedly passed. Uh, Of course, the governor signed it. We assume he knew what he was signing. And in particular, that this it's a very small clause 
in a very long bill, which is mostly about other issues. But that small adjustment could have a massive impact on California's residents. Section 739.9 of the Utility Code calls on regulators to implement a monthly income-based flat fee for electricity customers. That fee cannot be avoided. The law says people who earn more money should pay more than people who earn less. But it doesn't spell out the specifics, leaving that to state regulators. Regulators call the change a mandate, but Faruqi isn't sold. They said the commission may consider or should consider. They didn't mandate it. It's worth rereading it. In fact, the legislative language says the commission may adopt income-based flat fees. It does not say the commission should. Nevertheless, the California Public Utilities Commission has already requested and received nine proposals. They came from consumer groups, environmentalists, the solar industry, and utilities. San Diego Gas and Electric's Scott Kreider rolled out their plan this past spring. This is really about taking um, you know, our existing rates and really changing how uh, electricity is priced for customers again to make, it, uh, more, to make it simpler, to make it more predictable, and to really create that savings for lower income customers. SDG&E's unavoidable monthly fees range from $24 to $128, depending on income. The utility will also lower the per-kilowatt cost of electricity, which the U.S. Energy Department says is currently the most expensive in the nation. It's roughly 47 cents. Moving away from fossil fuels and more electricity in the homes and our vehicles, we really need to modernize the pricing structure to make sure that we can address affordability uh, for the state while helping to meet the, the state's very, very aggressive climate goals. Court filings show that SDG&E now suggests simplifying their plan. Customers who don't qualify for financial discounts would pay a roughly $73 a month fee. The utility would add the higher $128 a month fee for richer customers later. The California Public Utilities Commission has engaged an administrative law judge to sift through the proposals and adopt, revise, or blend them into a proposed decision. This is a really significant policy debate. Bernadette Del Chiaro represents the solar and storage industry. She wants an open and public process that involves the residents who are affected. Energy is one of these issues that just affects people's pocketbooks in a way that kind of cuts through politics and any other kind of thing that's happening in our in our in our regions around around politics and policy. And I think it's really important that the commission gain public trust on this one. So far, it's looking like the sweeping changes will be made behind closed doors. The administrative law judge handling the case has already rejected requests for a public hearing and for additional evidence. That judge will issue a proposed decision in the spring, giving the public just over a month to comment before regulators vote on the plan ahead of a summer deadline. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Tomorrow, in part two of this story, we take a closer look at the proposals that will be the basis for the new flat fees. The Brother Benos Foundation provides food and resources to the Oceanside community, but in order for them to continue operating, the city has imposed a new set of conditions they must follow. North County reporter Tanya Thorne has the details. Oceanside's Planning Commission has added a new set of conditions to the operating permit for the Brother Benos Foundation. Those conditions include more communication as well as the hiring of security and cleaning services in order for them to continue operating out of the business park on Production Avenue. 
Paul McNamara is the organization's new executive director and is also the former mayor of Escondido. It's expensive. Um, we're nervous about it, okay, of whether or not we can sustain the cost of that security. He says Brother Benos took on the security and cleaning expenses to show their commitment to improving conditions in the business park. But it's an expense they can't flow long term. A meeting between Brother Benos, property managers, city and law enforcement officials will take place this week to discuss possible collaboration on the costs of security. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. While the pandemic is over, COVID-19 cases on school campuses are increasing. Here's education reporter M.G. Perez with more. Since year-round classes began in July, the Chula Vista Elementary School District has reported more than 900 COVID cases among students and staff. That's only half the number of cases for the same period last year. But the numbers are climbing more quickly. So the district has partnered with Campus Clinic to offer weekly no-cost testing at all 50 of its campuses. Thomas Schaefer is president of Campus Clinic. Detecting COVID early means that we can stop the transmission of the disease in school. Uh, stopping the transmission means that we can increase instructional time here in school. We can protect the staff members and protect the families of the students and the students themselves. In San Diego Unified, 150 more positive COVID cases are reported in the first three weeks of school compared to the same time last year. Families continue to be provided home test kits and the Board of Trustees is currently not planning to require masks. MG Perez, KPBS News. Coming up, tips on what you can do to make sure a story is credible. Check to see if the story is appearing in more than one outlet. You should be able to find, you know, if it's a legitimate news story, it should be covered by a couple different news outlets. We'll have that just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. Misinformation and disinformation live on social media platforms. But when so many people rely on social media for news and few can tell the difference between credible information and fabricated information, it becomes a threat to our democracy. California legislators are trying to change that with a bill that was passed in the state Senate last week. It requires students in kindergarten through 12th grade to learn about media literacy in their core subjects. Carolyn Jones is an education reporter with Cal Matters. She spoke with my colleague, Jade Heinemann. Why do you think media literacy is gaining the attention of legislators today? Well, fake news has been on the rise globally for years now. And with the rise of, you know, self, you know, basically everyone on the planet has a cell phone pretty much. And so everyone in their pocket has access to information 24 hours a day. And not all of it is trustworthy or credible. And there's a growing recognition that people really need to understand the difference or there's just this 
corrosive effect on democracies globally. We hear the term fake news a lot. What exactly is that and where does it come from? Well, fake news would just be anything online that's just not true. And sometimes those things are, you know, it's inadvertently not true, like someone accidentally, you know, reposted something or, you know, sometimes it's inadvertent, but sometimes it's malicious. You know, there's bad actors out there who are trying to subvert various causes or put their own causes forth. I mean, so so it's it's really both things. And that's and you know, when we talk about fake news, that's what we're talking about. Okay. And there are actually two bills related to media literacy currently in the works in Sacramento. What can you tell us about AB 787? What would that do? And where does that legislation stand today? Sure. Assembly Bill 787 was sponsored by Assemblyman Jesse Gabriel from Woodland Hills. And that would create, that would survey school districts around the state about what their current standards are with media literacy, sort of where we stand. And then it would come up with a model curriculum to put forth statewide. That bill passed the Assembly and is currently in the Senate. Closer to the finish line is Assembly Bill 873, sponsored by Mark Berman. And that has passed the legislature and is poised to be signed by the governor soon, hopefully. Yeah. And so California did pass optional media literacy guidelines back in 2018. How would these latest statewide efforts change those? Well, what passed in 2018 were were guidelines from the State Department of Education, kind of providing a roadmap for districts and schools and individual teachers even who wanted to teach media literacy. It didn't require anything, but it did offer resources and sample curriculums and so forth. This goes many, many steps further and would include media literacy in all subjects for all grades starting, you know, kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And it would be incorporated into the standards, the curriculum standards that the state passes, and it would go into effect this January. And all of those things you just mentioned, how do you see those being a threat to democracy? Well, I think they're a threat to democracy because if people aren't well informed about the issues that affect their communities, their families themselves, then they can't really make good decisions at the ballot box um, or um, beyond that even. Um, So it's 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 pretty fundamental to democracy. Um, I think everyone would agree democracy only, only functions when citizens are well informed. How has the media literacy landscape changed in recent years? Well, I think it's just escalating um, with with the rise of social media and more and more students are, you know, they're on their phones all the time, pretty much. And social media plays a larger role in the life of adolescents than it used to. And also, as our, the country becomes more polarized and we're about to enter this divisive election season, I think that, the, you know, the importance of critical thinking and good media literacy skills is more urgent than ever. Yeah. And I mean, so the effort right now is really to teach students uh, so the next generation is prepared. What about voters? What about people who are voting right now? Well, there's things that everybody can do to, I mean, really simple, easy things that everybody can do to know if a story is real or, or not. One of them is, you know, check the byline. Is there a byline? Can you contact the reporter? Uh, check the date on the story. Is the story 10 years old? <laughs> Uh, Check the URL. Sometimes on fake news stories, the URL will be very similar to a news outlet you recognize, but it might have one letter different. 
Um, instead of like NewYorkTimes.com, it would be NewYorkTimes.co, for example. So check that. Check to see if the story is appearing in more than one outlet. You should be able to find, you know, if it's a legitimate news story, it should be covered by a couple different news outlets. And check the sources. Sometimes reporters will link to original source material in the stories where you can check the facts yourself. So those are simple things that everyone can do to, to find out if what they're reading is real or not. Oh, and one more important thing, common sense. <laughs> if you read a story and it just doesn't seem right to you, it might not be right. That was Carolyn Jones, a K-12 education reporter with Cal Matters, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Heineman. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Wednesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.